0: On this edition of OTP Road to Nashville, analysis of the top quarterbacks in the 2019 NFL Draft, including a conversation with Missouri's Drew Locke. We'll look at how the first round quarterback selections will potentially affect the Titans. Tennessee quarterback Marcus Mariota held his annual Motivate Golf event in Hawaii last week, and our Amy Wells was there. And we sit down with NFL Vice President Matt Shapiro to talk Nashville Draft flavor. OTP Road to Nashville is here. Draft Month. Can you believe it Amy Wells? I
1: can't believe it. I cannot believe it's finally here. I'm so excited.
0: It's 24 days until players are drafted in Nashville. Welcome to the OTP Road to Nashville. I mentioned that she is Amy Wells. I'm Mike Keith. We are so glad to have you with us. We are so pumped that it's draft month and we're going to do this show every weekday through April 30th. Actually, two more days following the draft, we will be doing this show. Amy Wells, give our audience your feeling as to what OTP Road to Nashville is all about.
1: It's going to be everything that you need to know. The authority. Everything. The authority on the Nashville draft in 2019. That's what I'm saying. You are going to be able to learn about the prospects that are going to be in the draft. We're going to break down the position groups and how... What the needs are for not only the Tennessee Titans, but for teams across the NFL. We're going to be talking about everything that is happening in Nashville related to the draft. All of these things. We're going to talk about all of them. And then don't forget, the players are coming back on October, on April 15th. Good. Yeah, yes. so soon. Yes. April 15th. The Two players weeks. will be back at St. Thomas Sports Park. And so that will be a whole new set of Titans things to talk about. So we are going to have everything that you need to know about what's going on with the draft and the Titans right here.
0: The thing that's so exciting to me and I I sent an email to some friends before the program encouraging them to join us and I and I said, Listen, we're not trying to be ESPN, we're not trying to be Fox, we're not trying to be NFL network. They do a great job. We're we're not trying to be the local media. They will do a great job covering everything surrounding it. But we do have a unique perspective. You were there when they made the announcement that we were getting the draft. Our owner was a big part of the process. Uh, We certainly work with the head coach and work with the general manager. We've been to pro days. We went to the senior bowl. We had a chance to go to the combine and spend time. Uh, You went to Hawaii last week to spend time with Marcus Mariota. So we have this interaction. We have this unusual perspective with all of these connections. So our hope is that we can give everyone a good sampling of what the story of the Nashville draft will be. That's the goal.
1: Absolutely. We have such a unique perspective in what we get to do. We get to be kind of flies on the wall and a lot of different things. So to be able to bring all of that together and give it to the fans, I can't wait.
0: All right. So maybe to summarize in a way, if, if you are a person that wants to be able to walk into the room and talk draft with other people, we will get you ready.
1: Oh, absolutely. We'll teach
0: you the names. We'll tell you where to go. You'll know the timing. You'll understand how everything about draft night's going to work on the 25th and then the 26th and the 27th. We'll get you ready. So if you're just with us every day, we can promise you that uh, the OTP road to Nashville will make you properly educated toward the draft.
1: Oh, absolutely. If you walk into a room and just repeat everything I say, you'll sound very intelligent.
0: Okay. All we'll right. stop there. <laughs> That's a good seg to morning headlines. Let's start with Ed Oliver. He continues to be the buzz of the draft. If you don't know Ed Oliver, this is an amazing player. A five-star recruit who chooses the University of Houston makes All-America as a freshman, is an All-American again as a sophomore. And so then last March, Ed Oliver declares for the NFL draft before his junior year. He says, hey, folks, guess what? I'm coming out after my junior year. He has another solid year, is an All-American for the third time at the University of Houston, but he's undersized. And some people who originally thought that he might be the first pick in the draft now say, as of a week ago, maybe he's the 25th pick in the draft. Maybe maybe he's late in the first round because he's an unusual-sized defensive lineman. And then Amy Wells... He has his pro day last week at the University of Houston, and what happens? He goes crazy.
1: People go ballistic, and you can see right here he's working out with Mike Vrabel, which, Mike Vrabel does it a lot of pro days. He likes to get his hands on guys. He likes to feel the way that they move. And these two go up against each other, and I'll tell you what, it is is a sight to see. They are. They're equally matched, I think, but uh, Vrabel takes it pretty
0: good. It's like Vrabel against Rashawn Evans last year at Alabama's pro, mm-hmm. pro day only I think it's a step above because because Ed Oliver is a bigger guy than what Rashawn Evans is. And and Ed Oliver has something to prove as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean he's six two, he's two eighty seven, but look at some of these numbers. He ran a four seven five forty, a four two two shuttle. That's crazy. Well, the
0: short shuttle time, the 4-2-2, is actually better than what Saquon Barkley, the running back from Penn State, ran a year ago. So the question is, with the twist of Ed Oliver, (laughs) he's the first overall pick according to the early mocks a year ago. Now he's down to where he's going to be taken later. And instead, after this workout, They're talking about, could he be a top five pick once again?
1: Well, and that's what pro days are for. They're all about raising and lowering draft stock. Ed Oliver raised his draft stock. And he even said in an interview that he can play anywhere on the front seven. He can play all the defensive line positions. He says he can play linebacker. So he showed his versatility and his athleticism all in one day.
0: Is he there at 19 when the Titans pick? I
1: don't think so. It doesn't feel
0: like it right now, does it?
1: Looking at the teams that are picking in the top 10, there are definitely guys who could use a player like Ed Oliver. And you have to remember, the Giants have two first-round picks.
0: Yeah, they have 6 and 17. So they may well take a defensive lineman, an edge rusher. Who knows? Who knows? but you think they're going defense with one of those picks. Speaking of defense and speaking of pro days, Jawan Williams got a lot of talk over the weekend based on the fact that at his Vanderbilt pro day, which was a couple weeks back, nearly three weeks ago, he ran a better time than he did at the combine. And Jawan Williams, the 6'4", 211-pound cornerback, he's a real question mark in terms of where he goes due to his unusual physical attributes.
1: Absolutely. And he showed at his pro day that he is definitely an athlete. The numbers that he put up at his pro day were as advertised. But at the combine, he ran a 4.64, and he tweeted out that that was not indicative of what he's able to do. At his pro day, he ran a 4.55 and felt a lot better about that. He felt like that was more the range that he should be in. And I think that he proved that some of the hype about him and some of the – the people who were really excited about his athleticism, they were proven correct at his pro day.
0: Most of the media evaluators say that he is going in the second round. The question is, is there a team at the end of the first round that says his skills are so unusual because there is not another corner rated in the top part of the draft list who is that big has those long arms and is there a team like Seattle is there a team even down further than in the in the 20s or the patriots someone of that ilk who just says this is such an unusual weapon that we're going to target him we don't care what everybody else's board says We think he's a special athlete.
1: I wouldn't be surprised just based on what he's able to do with the body that he has. I think that there will be a team out there that's set in a lot of the key areas and says, this guy could be something special. We're going to go for him. One of the later teams, as you said.
0: I really like Jawan Williams. (laughs) Nashville guy. guy, Nashville guy. Pulling for him to do well in the NFL. All right. Music City Blitz Flag Football Tournament on Saturday. Boy, you talk about a great event. This was at Nissan Stadium, and Amy Wells, you get a chance to play flag football on the field at Nissan Stadium, and it benefits Special Olympics. And Coach Vrabel was there. He wasn't doing the Ed Oliver stuff. <laughs> he was working with the the Special Olympians.
1: He was, but he was getting in on the action now. Mike Vrabel cannot be held back. He was coaching with all the rest of the Titans coaching staff. They were coaching the Special Olympics flag football teams from Williamson County and Davidson County. And man, it was so much fun. They were getting in there. They're running around with the Special Olympians. And it was a ball game now. I mean, they were very competitive teams. But the whole day was great. There were 39 different teams that signed up to play flag football at Nissan Stadium. Over 400 athletes. They raised $60,000 for Special Olympics. So it was a really, really cool day all the way around. But I'll tell you what, the Titans coaching staff was having more fun than anybody else out there.
0: There is really nothing more special in the world than if you get to encounter a Special Olympics athlete and their passion and their pride, and you see the joy that they live with. And to see our head coach and our coaching staff in with them, it's a beautiful thing. And the tournament itself So I had a chance to meet a team that came from Indiana University. Mm -hmm. Shout out to my guys at IU in Bloomington. I had a chance to meet a team that came from Florence, Alabama. Shout out to them in Flowtown. Flowtown. That's it. It's (laughs) Flow. You've been to Flow. That's funny. I didn't know it was called that. I love Florence, Alabama. I'm not hip to the lingo. That's a great place. That's a great place. (laughs) But I met them in the pro shop. Oh. By gate one on the interstate side of Nissan Stadium. Just doing some shopping? Seems like I was doing some shopping. <laughs> and I got you a gift. Go ahead. Hang on. You I'm can show it out. Look at this. Boom. This is the Titans draft day hat. And they came out officially this morning. I got you yours early.
1: Oh, I appreciate you're, that. Because
0: you're Titans, Amy.
1: Exclusive.
0: And... This is the Titans' exclusive draft hat. You can go by the pro shop right now. They have them. Mm-hmm. So if you have a son or daughter or a friend or if you just want to look cool, you can run by. They put them out uh, starting today. Yeah. And the inside of it, the Tennessee State flag.
1: Oh, that's a nice little and touch. And that's why the
0: three stars. Oh. So this is the official draft hat. I know it was unveiled uh online this morning you can mm-hmm. buy it online at titanslockerroom.com or again go by the the pro shop at Nissan Stadium and get you one the other thing too that's exciting about this is there is a red one Ooh. and it's red and blue like the Tennessee state flag
1: oh that's cool and
0: that's so it, we we actually have an alternate draft hat which is very cool that's and fancy. they have those at the pro shop as well so Go in and, and tell them you you saw this on the uh, OTP RTN. Yeah. Road to Nashville.
1: If someone goes, grab me a red one. I'll uh.
0: I got you a I'll blue one. You, you don't check. like a blue. Uh, no, the and blue see, one's I really got nice. You. But so I want both of them. It has the flex back, and, the, and yours. Oh, that's For good. the ladies, has the open. Not just, I mean, some people like it, but I know yeah, girls especially like the- I have a
1: tiny little head. Well, no, yeah. but no, no but idea. I'm saying
0: for the the ponytail, too, right? Oh,
1: I didn't even think of the ponytail. I just have a small little well, I was noggin. trying
0: to think of you.
1: That was very nice, Mike Keith. I appreciate You're my draft welcome. hat gift. You
0: have a draft hat gift.
1: Everyone should go get one. It's
0: very exciting. It is. It's hard to believe it's here. This is draft month.
1: I can't believe it.
0: this I mean, the, the draft hats are out.
1: Yeah, we're uh, rolling.
0: The NFL is coming to town starting this week- Uh, Everything really gets rolling as they go into the setup, 24 days from the draft. One of the guys who has been leading this charge is Matt Shapiro, and his official title, official title, is the NFL Vice President of Event Strategy and Integration. And man, has this guy been working. He was here a year ago when we unveiled the uniforms, and that was big in this whole process. But in the last 10 months, I would say Matt Shapiro could make the claim that he is now an honorary Nashvilleian. When the 2019 draft is completed, how many trips will you have made to Nashville? More than 10, probably. I was very fortunate enough to be part of the team
2: that started this process. You know when it was just sort of an idea when other cities were in the mix to host 2019 draft so again probably made a couple of trips two three trips even before we made the decision then a few more after that so probably close to 10. i think others on the team even more someone from the nfl or our partners seems like probably they're here now every week almost certainly monthly we've gotten used to nashville but it's an incredible place to spend a lot of time in. how many nfl
0: staffers does it take to put on a draft?
2: Yeah so there's probably hundreds of NFL staffers but what I think is really interesting we work with vendors we work with partners where it's thousands of people ultimately who become part of kind of that staff family to make this go and I know we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more but thinking about where the draft has come from to that moment is is pretty spectacular to think that we're in a, a meeting today where we're talking about the draft and there's just a sea of hundreds of people sitting there listening to what's going on and they're all part of making it happen. So, you know, thousands of credentials overall given out to help make this thing happen. And frankly, some people that some of us who are on the team will never even meet now that the team has become so big, but it's all about pulling towards the same goal of making this uh, an incredible
0: event for Nashville. I mean, it's a massive festival is it what is. is what happens. How many media cover this event? Yeah. How many people will attend draft or draft-related yeah. events? Give it. Give us a scope. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think best way
2: to put it is it's really our second biggest event now behind the Super Bowl. That's where it's gotten. So it's multiple thousands of media members who are here really across all three days. Obviously night one has a lot of that certain kind of buzz, but then it continues to grow over the couple days. Our sort of record attendee number is 250,000. We hit that for a a couple of different years. Our hope is to exceed that this year. So without putting an exact sort of number stake in the ground, I I would hope we can have our, our most attendees ever. And I think Based on the location that we've selected, this city, the location down on Lower Broadway and outside Nissan Stadium, I think we can do it. Obviously, it'll take a big effort from local, national, everyone pulling together to to make sure that people know about this event and come down here, but I think it's going to be the best ever.
0: Titans owner Amy Adams Strunk was recently given the 2019 Tennessean of the Year Award, largely based on the fact that she was a huge factor in helping secure The NFL draft for Nashville. What has she meant in this whole thing for Nashville, for the Titans, and for the NFL? Yeah, so
2: pretty much all the time when these processes get started, they really start with the ownership of that local team. So right at the very beginning, she was there to kind of be a champion for the city, to help steward this process through certainly working closely with Butch Spiridon and, and others at the Convention and, and Visitors Corp. But she was right there at the beginning and has been there with us throughout as we talk to local partners, as we, as we push for how to make this draft great, even when we think about the sort of Jersey reveal that obviously you and many others are so close to, she was really at the forefront of that. From beginning to where we are now, and I know all the way through, she'll be kind of a huge contributor
0: we'll hear more from matt shapiro on tomorrow's edition of the otp road to nashville but i want to go to his comments about amy Adams strunk and you've had an unusual perspective that you have worked very closely with the boss uh, from the moment that she took over almost four years ago to the day to today And at the last owner's meeting last week, we see her presence again. We're certainly seeing her presence through this. Where she's come in a four-year period is remarkable. Can you describe it?
1: Absolutely it is. It's been an evolution, for sure, but a very rapid evolution. When she started off as the Tennessee Titans controlling owner, she wanted to be an observer. She wanted to learn as much as she could. She recognized that she was the new guy in terms of owners.
0: That's what she said. Yeah, it
1: is. And um, she wanted to be sure that she was learning everything that she possibly could. Now... That moment of just stepping back didn't last super long. After about a year two years, we really start to see her making moves. She starts to invest in the Tennessee Titans. She starts to make some changes around the building. She obviously made some coaching changes throughout the years. And now we're seeing her as a major player in the National Football League. She got the draft to Nashville. She got the team new uniform. She has made this franchise a consistently winning franchise. She has gotten this team to the place that we all were hoping it was going to be. The Tennessee Titans are a nationally recognized team that people are getting excited about. And that's all thanks to Amy Adams Strunk and the amount of influence that she has in the National Football League. Well,
0: just look here. Look at this studio that we're in that opened last August that obviously cost millions of dollars to build. Right. She's done so many things here at St. Thomas Sports Park. She announced last week in an interview that she's doing better Wi-Fi at Nissan Stadium. Right. I mean, consistently putting money back into the franchise in terms of staffing, in terms of player contracts, extending John Robinson doing things for the fan base in different ways I, I mean it really is a meaningful time in this league and we're seeing it from from what came out of Arizona last week with the owners meetings it's wonderful for this franchise to have a meaningful owner at this moment in NFL history as we go into year number 100.
1: Absolutely, and she has made it known that she's not messing around. She, When she speaks, people listen to her, and that is such an awesome thing for the Tennessee Titans to have an owner that is so well-respected among the ownership in the National Football League.
0: Ray, to talk some ball now? Heck yes, okay, I am. Okay, let's go from the quarterback of the Titans organization. To the quarterbacks in this draft.
1: my Bad seg? No, a great seg. seg. Oh, I she's, love it. She's
0: really not the quarter. She's the head coach. Well, no. She's,
1: she's the owner. She's the owner.
0: <laughs> Forget. It. I'm sorry. I, I loved apologize. it. I it was a talk, good transition. I, I tried. I want to talk quarterbacks, though. And I think what we have with the 2019 quarterback class is we got questions. Mm-hmm. We got all kinds of questions. We – And and we can't go through every one of them, but a couple of the big ones will directly impact the Tennessee Titans at number 19 because you wonder how many quarterbacks will be taken before the Titans select, possibly pushing another great player or two toward the Titans. That is, if you assume the Titans are not going to take a quarterback at 19, and that is the common guess. Mm -hmm. So we'll go with that. Let's talk Drew Locke. Okay. SEC player, Missouri quarterback, great career at Missouri, four years of experience, mm-hmm. but lots of people wonder about Drew Locke, lots of questions about how good he is. You were at his pro day. Tell me about Drew Locke's pro day in Columbia, Missouri.
1: You know, Drew Locke's pro day was interesting because the pro day as a whole was a little rowdy. At they had music playing. Guys were yelling at each other while they were going through drills. It really was an exciting pro day until you got to Drew Locke's portion. When Drew was throwing, it was silent. Everyone knew that now we're getting down to business. This is the moment that everybody came for. He walked out. He had a script. He went through everything that he was going through. He was precise. And it was very serious when Drew was going. He was focused, he was in the zone, and any time that he maybe missed a throw or something didn't go his way, he has to do it again. He wanted to show that he could make that throw, that he could do that call. So it was very, very interesting, the juxtaposition just within the same pro day. It was wild.
0: With Drew Locke, the question that he was trying to answer and that he's been trying to answer throughout the process, who is Drew Locke?
1: All right, Drew, in your time as the quarterback at the University of Missouri, what game would you say describes your style of play as a quarterback? Is there one that really defined you?
3: I think there was a lot of fire in that Florida game this year. There was a lot of built up aggression, needed to get a win after the, the upsetting loss to Kentucky. I think you really saw it for myself, but you also saw it from everybody around me. There was just. That kind of summed up who we were as an offense and we were ready to go.
1: Is it hard for you to balance being a team first guy and then kind of the rally the troops team leader guy? Is that hard to balance as a quarterback?
3: If you got a cue that can do that really well and you've got a pretty good quarterback on your hands like realizing there's guys you need to take to the sideline and talk to or there's guys you can take out and you don't know, necessarily yell out in front of some of the guys that's just it is what it is and I think that comes from being around your guys more Realizing who those certain types of guys are and being just a locker room guy And I think if you have a guy that does that he's gonna end up leading the team better on the field
1: So for a team that gets drew lock as a quarterback. What are they getting?
3: I think they're gonna get exactly that they're gonna get a guy that'll come in and be able to adapt really well and do it Into any locker room a team that didn't lose a game last year or a team that lost every game last year I think I've been through enough time here enough starts enough games to really be through a lot of experiences. So I think you're going to get an experienced quarterback that'll come in and he'll also be a little fiery too. He's going to have a little swag about him.
1: Where does that swag come from? You're a super confident guy and you can see it on the field and off the field. Where does that come from?
3: I think it just comes from how long I've been playing this sport and then all the sports I ended up playing, just realizing that people are going to pick you apart if you don't have a little confidence. They're going to see the lack of confidence in you really quick. Because I know I do. I I like to find those guys and go in and pick on them. put a little birdie in their ear and get them them worked up because if you're a real competitor and you know guys around you, you'll be able to pick that up pretty quick.
1: Are you a trash talker like Phillip Rivers style?
3: Nah, I try not to be. On the basketball court I definitely was because it was a lot easier face-to-face. Now you got a line of scrimmage, guys are 12 yards away from you. It doesn't necessarily always work out to where you get to talk smack, but if it does and the opportunity arises, I'm not afraid.
1: The draft is coming up. What is going to be the most special moment for you? I
3: think the best part is like You know, I grew up being a Missouri fan and just loving the University of Missouri. So being able to hear, you know, Drew Locke, University of Missouri at the draft is going to be the coolest part.
0: All right, Amy Wells, you had a chance to stand with him to get to know him a little bit. What jumped out about Drew Locke?
1: His confidence. Like I said before, the swag, the confidence of that guy. It just, it radiates through his pores. He knows that he can play in the National Football League. He knows that being a quarterback is what he's supposed to be doing. And he feels so confident in his skill set. It's, you can feel it just standing next to him.
0: Drew Locke is going to be a first round pick on most boards. So we kind of leave him out of this sort of discussion, except for a mention because you've already seen him. We want to give you a look at some of the other top quarterbacks in the draft. And for that, we have to start in Norman, Oklahoma. Kyler, Kyler, Kyler. Once Heisman Trophy winner Kyler Murray told the Oakland A's no and the NFL yes, the Oklahoma Sooner quarterback became the focus of this quarterback draft. And when he measured slightly over 5'10 on February 28th at the NFL Combine, things heated up. Even more,
4: I have a hard time wrapping my mind around a five-foot-nine quarterback. I really do. It, it, it's something for me that I don't believe in. I've never believed in. But you know what? I like watching this tape. I'm intrigued by him, and I got to do more work on him. But I am intrigued by him. The kid can make the throws. He wasn't asked to go through a lot of progressions at Oklahoma. He played, you know, and I hear all these stats where he only had five passes batted down. He played behind a good offensive line.
0: If Kyler Murray isn't the first quarterback taken in the 2019 draft, it will likely be Ohio State's Dwayne Haskins the man who threw 50 touchdown passes in his only season as a Buckeye starter. He's just a pure pocket passer.
5: I mean, that's what I love about him is you can stand
0: back there in the pocket,
5: he's gonna be able to work through progressions, can make every kind of throw. He can drive the ball, he can throw with touch, can layer it as well. So the big knock, the big concern is just, you know, when he has to move around a little bit, he's not real sudden, he's not
0: explosive, you know, moving around. And then there's Missouri's Drew Locke, a man with more experience as a starter than Murray and Haskins Combined,
2: A-plus arm talent, spectacular, very Matt Stafford-like in the way that he plays. He's a guy that was a D1 recruit as a basketball player, obviously has skills uh, in a variety of different ways, but I think he's someone that people are excited about because if he grows and develops the way some think, he certainly can be a guy that's a franchise quarterback for a long time.
0: After these three and Duke's Daniel Jones, the quarterback class really gets interesting. Many believe that Ryan Finley is the number 5 quarterback in the 2019 draft. It's one of the best stories of this draft class. This is Ryan Finley, quarterback North Carolina State. Began his career at Boise State, sustained injuries, battled through it, then went to Dave Doran and the Wolfpack and did very good things. How would you how would you characterize your college career? That journey, an odyssey? Yeah.
5: I mean, it, it, was, it was pretty fun. You know, I, I think of it, I had I had two stints. I had a stint, a three-year stint at, at Boise State and then a three-year, you know, time at, at North Carolina State. So I kind of got really got an opportunity to do college football twice. So I was very fortunate for that, and uh, it turned out real good.
0: What did you learn as a quarterback, and what did you learn as a human being going through everything you, you went through in the process?
5: Well, I, I was in college for six years, so I was in college for a long How time. How many masters
0: do you have? One and a half. Okay.
5: Yeah, I met a lot of awesome people. You know, that kind of helped me grow along the way. So uh, it was a pretty, pretty awesome, pretty awesome opportunity to transfer to North Carolina State. Met so many awesome friends that I'll be friends with to the day I die.
0: And you did different things football-wise too, which have to help you for this process, right?
5: Yeah. You know, uh, throughout my career, I had you know I had a lot of different quarterback coaches and a couple of different offensive coordinators, two head coaches. So definitely got to
0: experience a lot of different, a lot of different coaching styles. After Findlay, each team's taste will determine who comes next. Will Greer won games at quarterback at Florida and then blossomed as West Virginia starter. 6'7 Tyree Jackson started at Buffalo for three years, but he put up only numbers as a senior. Jackson is a great athlete. Northwestern's Clayton Thorson threw nearly 1,700 passes over four years for the Wildcats, but he threw too many interceptions for some evaluators. Thorson, however, did a lot of nice things in Evanston with not a lot of NFL players around him. And then there's Auburn's Jared Stidham. You played at Baylor. You played at Auburn. How much do you feel like it helps you that you've been in different situations already and had to adapt your skills to, to different offenses?
4: Oh, it, that's, that's been a tremendous part of, of, of my game uh, the last, you know, four years. You know, playing in the Big 12, playing in a, in a system, and then jumping to the SEC, uh, playing in an, an entire new conference. Um, in my opinion, the, the, the best conference, so to speak, and, you know, one that can really prepare you for the next level. You're going to face a lot of great talent, and, Obviously, I was in a new a new situation, new system there. So, got to learn a whole lot of ball, and got to see a lot of ball.
0: Coach Malzahn has made it clear that you are a player who does well under pressure. Why?
4: I think it's uh, it all comes down to confidence. I've always been very confident in myself, you know, on and off the field. And, um, you know, every, every time I step on the field, I, I always feel like I'm the best player. What does a team get that drafts Jared Stidham? A couple different things. Um, you get a leader, and... Um, that, that's one of, my, one of my biggest qualities. And I think it's got to be a quarterback's biggest quality because if you're going to draft a guy to run your organization for however many years, you got to be able to lead that, those guys in the locker room. So definitely a leader, somebody that's very confident, like I said earlier, and obviously somebody that's, that's willing to, to grow in the game of football, physically and mentally.
0: What is the most important question you feel like you have to answer on the field or off for an NFL team who wants to draft you?
4: I think right now uh, the biggest question I've, I've continued to get is, you know, 2017 was was such a good year for us, and 2018 wasn't wasn't as good. So just trying to uh, you know answer that question and, and kind of illustrate you know what might have happened um, during that you know this last season. But uh, like I said, it's been a been a huge blessing to be to be in this process, to be in this this situation.
0: But Jared, isn't dealing with adversity part of the quarterback's job?
4: Absolutely, and I think. When you, when you talk about adversity, you know, whether if it's on the field or off the field, I think that can really mold somebody. And, and sure enough, over my life, again, on and off the field, it's really helped me mold into the man I am today.
0: I sure do like Jared Stidham.
1: Yeah, good guy. He's
0: a good guy. Good player at Auburn, too. Yep. Other quarterbacks who are out there, other names, and... We're listing some of them during this segment of the program. One of the ones that jumps out to me when I see the list, obviously, is a guy on West End. And I'm talking about Kyle Shermer, who is the son of Giants head coach Pat Shermer.
1: Yeah, but he doesn't want to be known as the son of Giants coach Pat Shermer. I think that he is really focused on trying to make a name for himself in this league. He doesn't want to ride with the name that's on the back of his jersey. He wants to be Kyle Shermer, the quarterback from Vandy, and that's that. At his pro day, he was super interested in making sure that he highlights his strengths, his accuracy, the throws that he's able to make to show that maybe some of the things that aren't his strengths, his speed, his footwork, to show that he's still capable of being a good quarterback, even though he still has some things to learn and some things that he wants to work on. So I think that he did a good job of separating himself from, but still being thankful, of course, for his family. He's very proud of his family, but he wants to make a name for himself in the National Football League. Well, and
0: it's easy to understand, but that name is going to help him. I mean, it's going to be a benefit of the doubt in the process. If somebody's thinking about a quarterback, they're going to say, well, we may take Shermer. I mean, certainly he's been schooled well between his dad and all the things brought up, and then he's played a lot of football at Vanderbilt and played well.
1: Absolutely, and I had a chance to talk to him a little bit, and he said that while – this is a big moment for him and he wants to do it by himself. He also realizes that he has had the opportunity to be in these environments and he knows a lot of the scouts and the coaches that are there. So the stage didn't feel as big as it probably felt for some of those guys that were experiencing experiencing pro day. Ooh, I got tongue-tied. But, Mike, I want to ask you, what guys stood out to you? What quarterbacks on this list catch you?
0: Well, there's some other names as we, we move to a second page. And when we look at that list, the one that grabs me automatically just as a college football fan is Jake Browning at Washington. Jake Browning had one of the great college football seasons you will ever see as a sophomore in 2016. There were people who felt like he had to come back and play 2017 to be draft eligible, and then he would be a, a massive prospect. Well, it didn't work out that way. He, he didn't have a great 2017. His 2018 was okay. He just threw 35 touchdown passes over his last two years. But this is a guy who, I mean, 43 touchdown passes in 2016. He's got ability. He's Washington's all-time leading total offense Uh, leader. He's their all-time leading passer. He has every stat in the book, and I think his work on improving his arm strength and showing that to teams has been something that has grabbed a lot of people. So I'm not sure where teams see him, but as a college football fan, knowing that at one time, two years ago, he was talked about potentially as a top-ten pick because of that year that he put up now where does Jake Browning fall in this process and does somebody get a steal in Jake Browning from Washington
1: It's definitely possible there are a lot of things that can happen in the draft process but it's going to be very fun to watch to see how boards change based on what happens
0: early Well Jake Browning is a guy who and, and again this is the this is the quarterback Draft of questions. Mm -hmm. You know, Jake Browning is a guy like that. We talked earlier about Drew Locke. Kyler Murray's only 5'10". Dwayne Haskins has only started for one year. And then there's the other one. The other one, and we mentioned his name in the feature, Daniel Jones at Duke. Man, are the evaluators arguing over this guy. Some people think he's top 10, top 15. Other people think... He's not going to go in the first round. I had a chance to visit with Daniel Jones, and he certainly is impressive in the interview setting. One of the top quarterbacks in the 2019 NFL draft is Daniel Jones from Duke University, played for David Cutcliffe. Uh, One of the next of the people in that line of quarterbacks that have been successful under Coach Cutcliffe What did you learn from him and from those guys who very much stay part of his family? You know, one of the things I think
6: uh, Coach Cutcliffe teaches well is just kind of the responsibility of playing the position, um, you know, on on offense. And as a quarterback, you're in charge of that offense. And, you know, if if we're not clicking or we're not moving the ball, it's, you know, on the quarterback's shoulders to, you know, make the correction and to get it right. And I think that, you know, his expectations for kind of a quarterback's game management and understanding
0: of an offense is, you know, something I think that was was huge for my development. And one thing that's really special about you in this process that people learn, Duke was your school. That's where you wanted to go and and you had to put it on the line to go to Duke, didn't you? You had to say, this is what I want to do, I've got to go in there and prove myself to them. Yeah,
6: so probably my sophomore year in high school I decided I really want to go to Duke and at the time I was undersized and, and kind of uh, struggling to be recruited, but through my senior year, Coach Cut he put me on scholarship in January. If one opened up sooner, he put me on then, and you know one actually opened up sooner, so put me on in the fall, and you know had the opportunity there to, to play for him, which was huge for me.
0: Finally, what's an NFL team getting in Daniel Jones?
6: I think they're getting a you know a tough competitor. I think I'm someone who's you know proven their their physical and mental toughness through my time at Duke, and you know I've always loved the opportunity to compete and play the game, so. You know, I think physically, I can make all the throws. I think I have the athletic ability to extend plays, so hopefully they're getting a you know, a complete player mentally and, and physically.:
0: As you could see in that interview, one thing that's impressive about Daniel Jones is he's very tall.:
1: He is he's rather a, tall.: He's very tall. He
0: <laughs> is six, five, and that never hurts to be able to see over the line of scrimmage Mm-mm. the David Cutcliffe pedigree. Yeah. You know, you you look at the quarterbacks that David Cutcliffe has put out over the years. David Cutcliffe says he is a first-round pick. All right, so teams that could take a quarterback in the first round, does Arizona do it? Could. Oakland at four is another one. They also have 24 and 27. They have three first-round picks. Mm -hmm. The Giants have number six, and they also have number 17. Mm -hmm. Then there's talk about Detroit at 8, in spite of Matthew Stafford being there. Which? Do they take the successor? Yeah. Denver at 10, which makes sense because you don't think Joe Flacco is there forever. Right. Although it seems like they take a pass rusher every year and it works out. (laughs) Cincinnati at 11. Yes. Yes. They've been supposedly going to replace Andy Dalton since, like, 2001.
1: Yeah, we've been talking about Hasn't this for 50 years. has he been there since years? Boomer
0: Esiason? I it feels like it. feel
1: like he's been there for a while.
0: Miami at 13, and then Washington at 15. Those are the teams that seem to be in the market. But here's the thing. Arizona. hmm. Cliff Kingsbury's the new coach there. Right. The perfect quarterback for Cliff Kingsbury's offense would seem to be, on paper, Kyler Murray. The only thing is, they took Josh Rosen last year at number 10 out of UCLA. Right. What do you think about Arizona and Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen?
1: There are so many different, very conceivable options to me. Do I think that they try their best to trade Josh Rosen? Sure. I mean, there's no harm in shopping him around, testing out the old pool a little bit. But at what cost? You know, what are you trading for a guy like Josh Rosen? I don't know. I don't know the answer well, to that. Well, I mean, that. I think
0: at that point, you're if you're trying to trade Josh Rosen, you're saying we're taking Kyler Murray. Well,
1: and that's what I'm saying.
0: But it's the same general manager, Steve Keim, <sighs> who selected Josh Rosen. Last year. Last year. And I mean this doesn't really happen. No, it doesn't. And
1: Kyler Murray seems to fit that team so well. Oh, yeah. He seems like the perfect quarterback for them. But Josh Rosen, I mean, wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. He was young. He's a young guy. He's got a lot of upside, tons of potential. Do you ride do you dance with the girl that brought you? Or do you find a new girl? Is that how that goes? I something like that. Okay. I don't know. I don't know the answer, Mike. He threw
0: more interceptions last year than touchdown passes. He took a lot of hits. He was the 10th overall selection. In essence, he was the Drew Locke of last year's draft. There were lots of questions about him coming out of UCLA. I think what it'll come down to is, after a year, are the Cardinals totally sold on him? And if not, to your other point, what can they get and who would be interested? We have some candidates for that. Obviously, the Giants, they have Eli Manning. Mm -hmm. They have the two first-round picks, but they also have pick number 37, which is the one that you would think that Arizona would probably be trying to get. Right. Miami is another choice. Miami is a team in need of a quarterback. Right now, their quarterback is going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick, but... With their rebuild, would they rather wait another year on a quarterback and go ahead and make all of these selections? You would think that Arizona would be trying to get forty-eight. Obviously, they're trying to get a one, right? But can they? More lot more logically, they try to get the two. How about Oakland?
1: Oakland is interesting. Oakland's
0: interesting because they have the three ones, but they also have that really high number two at thirty-five. So, if they're ready to give up on Derek Carr, do they go after Josh Rosen? Eh, We'll see. Uh, And then here's the one that jumps out to me. Case Keenum is now in Washington. But Washington, do they give up 46, which is their second-round pick for Josh Rosen as their quarterback of the future? And do you get a first-round talent with a second-round pick this year? There you see Washington – They also have 76 and 96. So does Arizona just take what they can get? It would be smarter for them to wait as long as they can to try to get a better pick, to not tip their hand. I mean, if they trade Josh Rosen today, Amy, then everybody knows they're taking Kyler Murray. Right. So they'd like to wait 20 more days, get closer, to be able to leverage this as best as possible. But... If you're, if you're going to be getting Josh Rosen and you're trading for him, don't you want him to start your off-season workouts as soon as possible?
1: Right, and that's the part that not a lot of people talk about is that guys are starting to come back to their programs. They're starting to get back right. in the building and start the install process, start learning new playbooks if you have a new coaching staff. So all of that's starting to happen. So if you're bringing in a new quarterback, you don't really want him to be behind in all of that process either. So the – clock is kind of ticking on a lot of these things to try and take shape a little bit more it's going to be fun to watch the next two weeks are going
0: to be crazy it's going to be crazy I think and and in looking at how this affects the Tennessee Titans the quarterback position the Titans first round pick is at 19 if if we assume the Titans are not going to take a quarterback at 19 which is the general assumption out there then it would be better for the Titans the more quarterbacks go in front of that pick. Do we think four get selected in the first 18 based on all of this information?
1: I wouldn't be surprised, really. There are teams, especially teams that have a lot of picks in the first round, you have that the capital, you have the currency to be able to take – and offensive and defensive players, you have the currency to take a quarterback and a great edge rusher or a quarterback and something else. A lot of these teams can kind of do that just with what they've acquired through trades or however However, some of these teams get 400 first round picks, it feels like. So I think that you there are some teams earlier in the draft that would have the ability to do things like that. Um, and if that's the case, we've got some big names that could fall to 19, and that's what I'm looking for.
0: Okay. Let's take a look at the Titans quarterback depth at this point, point. and while the speculation with Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill, two former first-round picks on the roster, two guys who've started a lot of games, two guys that are going to be on this roster, do the Tennessee Titans select a quarterback anywhere In this draft last year, they took Luke Falk in the sixth round. They waived him, tried to get him through to practice squad. Miami claimed him and took him away. Do they try to do that again with a draft pick, knowing that they have picks in each of the first six rounds? I I think it's a, it's a debatable question, or do they simply bring in another veteran? Uh, Austin Davis is now a coach in Seattle, but do they bring in an Austin Davis type guy for camp and maybe try to get a quarterback later to put on practice squad.
1: I th- I've been thinking about this for a while now. We and gave you
0: weekend homework. You gave
1: me weekend homework. And initially I thought, of course they'll find a quarterback in the later rounds. There is a lot of interesting talent at that quarterback position in the draft this year. Sure, grab one late, have him be around, kind of give him that red shirt year to kind of right. learn how things go. Love that idea. But then I started crunching the numbers a little bit, and I started thinking about the long-term implications of that because you don't want him to get poached off the practice squad like what happened with Luke Falk. You don't want – you also have to think about the fact that then you're carrying three quarterbacks.
0: And he's going to be inactive. One of your inactives is taken up every game with the rookie quarterback – so that basically means you're working with a 52-man roster.
1: Right. So do you want to burn a position, basically, to give him a redshirt ear? Eh, I don't know. So while initially my first thought was, yes, the Titans will take a quarterback in the late rounds, now I'm thinking that's probably not going to happen. I think that we're going to go with Marcus Mariota, go with Ryan Tannehill, well, and if things get weird, and we And what adjust. you may
0: be able to do is somebody else may draft one of these quarterbacks, and then you are able to sneak in and grab them mm-hmm. after the final cuts are made and keep them on practice squad throughout the year. And then if somebody tries to, to snag them, then you could call them up at that point.
1: Right. But that gives you a lot more flexibility than committing to, bur- to carrying three quarterbacks. And we know
0: John Robinson loves flexibility in his roster. Oh, absolutely. So we'll see where the Titans fall with the quarterbacks this year. But those are some of the names and some of the stories. And the quarterback draft, even if the Titans don't pick one, it's certainly going to impact the Titans early on about who does pick one. Yep. I want to stay with quarterbacks. Okay. We did something really special. We sent Amy Wells last week to Hawaii. It was special. To spend time with uh, Mike Duell from our staff and Todd Gray from our staff. To spend time with Marcus Mariota in Hawaii. To spend time with him at his Motivate Golf Tournament. And Amy, can you describe around this tournament the feeling that you got that those folks in Hawaii have about number eight?
1: Marcus Mariota to them is the physical embodiment of what being a Hawaiian is. They call it the Aloha spirit. And it's all about generosity and gratitude and being humble and being kind. And those are all the things that we see from Marcus Mariota day in and day out. Back home in Hawaii, everyone is so proud that that is the man that he's become. That's exactly what the Aloha spirit is. And, um, telling him that and being able to say, this is what people think about you. He was so proud and um, it was really cool to see him in his element.
6: Well, this event is called a Motiv- uh, Motivate Golf uh, Tournament and it's helped um, to raise money for Marketers Foundation in which he helps to um, give an opportunity for underprivileged uh, students or kids that are interested in attending a um, a private school and give them the opportunity to have an education at, um, at a different type of setting. And he also does a lot of other charity work with uh, the homeless kids, the Special Olympics and so forth. So, all of those kids uh, uh, will be benefiting from this event.
7: Well, I learned at a young age from my my parents. Um, They've always, no matter what, have done their best to give back and serve and um, really I just kind of want Motivate to be that for for people. You know, they they help serve my brother and I and hopefully Motivate can be kind of that avenue, that support system that my parents were uh, for them. So really the the mission is to help underprivileged youth and homeless. uh, and really, we we've kind of taken it so it's it's here in Hawaii, it's in Oregon, and also in Nashville. And what we try to do is money that's raised here in Hawaii or in Oregon or Nashville, we we tend to flush it back into the community, um, so that people that live here understand that their dollars being spent, you know, where they live and they're affecting the people around them. Um, but yeah, we've done back to school backpacks, um, you know, especially here in Hawaii, we've done a few. We've we've sponsored football camps. Um, we've done kind of. Everything from shower buses to, you know, really, like, giving meals and food. And, um, you know, I'm just very blessed. The the, the amount of support, um, whether it's here or the other couple places, um, you know, it's been incredible.
0: All right, not his best shot there that we end with. But a, a, a good shot of the quarterback. I have three questions from you from your trip to the Motivate Golf Tournament in Hawaii. Marcus Mariota is a relaxed man when he's in Hawaii, isn't he?
1: Absolutely. And it's hard to not be. It's beautiful there. But Marcus Mariota was in his element. He was in his hometown. He was surrounded by his friends and family. It was 100% his element. It was exactly where Marcus Mariota would be all the time if we gave him the chance.
0: The reports out of Hawaii last week said that he is trying to gain weight from the shots we saw in the feature He appears thicker. Did he appear that way to you in person? He
1: did. He looked bigger. He looked stronger almost. And he said that he's trying to put some weight on just to bulk up and try to stay a little bit healthier to improve his longevity throughout the season.
0: Jaronis Grasso. I think I saw him in that video, the new Titans offensive lineman who was Marcus's teammate at Oregon. You had a chance to visit with Jaronis, right?
1: I did. He was at the golf tournament, and uh, it turns out that – Him and Marcus Mariota are way more than just college teammates. They're really good friends. Gironis obviously is moving to Nashville in a couple weeks to start the offseason program. He's going to be living with Marcus. So these guys go way back. They know each other super well, both on the field and off the field, which can only be a good thing for the Tennessee Titans.
0: Tomorrow... On the OTP road to Nashville, your sit down with Marcus, where you, as we like to say in the South, talk ball.
1: We do talk ball. I guess do
0: they say that in Hawaii too?
1: Yeah, talking oh, with ball an Aloha on oh, the Aloha
0: talking <laughs> ball. That's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Really great conversation about Marcus. Uh, that's something you're going to want to watch for tomorrow. One thing that we're going to do on the OTP road to Nashville is take three of your questions. Tell people how they could submit the questions, Amy Wells.
1: You get on the Twitter machine. Go to hashtag... No, there's no hashtag for this. Just send them straight to me. That's so much easier. At TitansAmy, A-M-I-E. Send them right to me, and we'll ask them right here on the OTP road to Nashville. Fire away with My take key, three. I was going to say, I've got three for you. The first one is from Titans Bob. I like that name. In Winchester, he asks, could the Titans take a running back somewhere in this draft?
0: Yes. I mean, I think it's possible... Uh, it would feel like that's probably day three, because, unless there's just somebody they love. And that's the thing, you never know about boards. You will hear us say that a lot during the OTP road to Nashville, is we don't know what the Titans' board looks like. So there could be a guy on there that they say, he's just so good we can't pass him up regardless of position. Maybe there's a running back like that. Don't know it. In terms of the math, the numbers say it's a day three. It's somebody who does something special. Because remember, right now they have Derrick Henry, they have Dion Lewis, they have David Fluell, and all three of those guys on the roster along with a couple others. So you would feel like it's a guy who could really catch or might, who might have returnability. There will also be guys like that available as undrafted. So I think it's possible, but I think it's a push.
1: All right. Lloyd in Kent, Washington asks, Several mocks have the Titans taking a center or a guard in the first round. Now, with all the money that the Titans have invested in the offensive line, that seems crazy, but is it? Uh,
0: I don't think it's crazy because, again, John Robinson has done things in free agency to fill immediate needs. He got a veteran receiver. He got an offensive lineman. He got an edge rusher. And then through a trade, he's improved himself at backup quarterback. He re-signed Kenny Vaccaro. He re-signed Kevin Palmfield. So there, there's not anything that he has to do. Amy, if that special guy was just there at 19 and he was an offensive lineman, John will stay true to his board. I don't think it's – it doesn't feel as likely – but it's certainly not crazy.
1: See, I like the crazy. I'm in for the crazy. I know. Last one is from Frank in Nashville. He asks, "Could the Titans go defense with four of their six draft picks? Could they take multiple defensive linemen?"
0: Yes, and yes, uh, they could take. They could go defense. This is a great defensive draft, and it, draft, and it is a great defensive line draft. Yes, they, that is certainly a possibility that they could go in that direction because the Titans have some needs in the front seven, and it's cost-effective for the future. Remember that. You've got some contracts coming up at other places. You're going to have to spend some money. You would like it if some places on the football team weren't as expensive. If you can get great talent at some of those positions and keep the cost down for the next couple years, it would be a good thing.
1: All right. Well, that was take three. Again, if you want us to answer your questions right here on the OTP Road to Nashville, tweet them at me, at Titans, Amy, A-M-I-E.
0: Tomorrow on the OTP Road to Nashville, Amy Wells sit down in Hawaii from last week with Marcus Mariota. You do not want to miss it. Jim Wyatt, the great Jim Wyatt from titansonline.com, going to talk a lot of ball, including a look at the Indianapolis Colts and what they've done in the offseason. And you're going to meet our marketing coordinator, Toke Sequoia, who wants to get you, the Titans fans, involved in the draft. Remember... 24 days until players are drafted in Nashville. And remember, you can subscribe to the OTP at titansonline.com slash podcast or anywhere you get a podcast. Also a reminder, Titans Draft Day hats are out as of today, as of April 1st. Get yours at the Titans Pro Shop at Nissan Stadium on the interstate side by gate one (laughs) and and online as well. You can... uh, Get yourself at TitansLocker Room.com. You can get yourself one of these hats with the state flag of Tennessee right there.
1: We'll give you a special handshake or a special little signal if you one. get your hat.
0: There's a red one with blue.
1: I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get both models.
0: We're glad you're back in town.
1: It feels good to be back.
0: I know Hawaii was nice, but looking Hawaii forward to that nice. interview with Marcus Mariota tomorrow. Tomorrow we're back with the OTP Road to Nashville. Thank you so much for joining us. For Amy Wells and our outstanding crew here, my name is Mike Keith. players is going to be drafted in Nashville in just 24 days. Draft Month is here. Never back down, never
5: going to quit. Other side of the track, this hometown kid. I'm the one that you heard about. Heart on my sleeve and I'm beating my chest Got a line of enemies but I never lose rest Every penny that I get
4: Since I was
5: young, i carved caught my own path You can go and make fun, I'ma get the last laugh I'm on top of the world now If you don't like it, you can shut your mouth
1: I'm singing like...